0: The Armchair Cricket Podcast, News Talk. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, News Digest. In this episode, we will take a look at the ongoing cricket news, both on and off the cricketing field. Today's edition, uh, we would like to first focus on the England versus Ireland ODIs, which have actually kicked off the Men's ODI World Cup Super League. So um, there are two ODIs that have actually happened uh, between England and Ireland. The first of which was held in Southampton on the 30th of July. In this ODI, Ireland were inserted to bat first and they made only 172. It was a slow, turgid sort of progress from Ireland. They were not able to cope with the variety and the uh, efficiency with which the England bowlers were bowling. Uh, Andy McBride made 40, batting at number 9. And uh, Camphor, the youngster who debuted in this game, made an unbeaten 59, even though he took his time over it. But that ensured, you know, uh, Ireland came up with a fighting total. But um, the English openers looked in serious business with Jason Roy getting to 24 in no time at all. Even though Bairstow failed, James Wins picked up the scoring rate. And in the end, Sam Billings and Owen Morgan really accelerated and uh, England were able to win. With more than 22 hours to spare, so when it comes to bowling, England had um, a lot of new faces because now they have two separate squads, one for ODIs and one for Tests. So David Willey, who's making a comeback to the England ODI squad, took a 5 for 5 for 30, and Sajid Mahmood, uh, looking to you know make an impression on the English selectors, took 2 for 36 in very rapid bowling. Adil Rashid, the uh, ODI star as far as England spin fortunes are concerned, took 1 for 26 and Tom Curran took one for 37. Uh, there was not a lot to write home about the Irish bowling, except uh, Craig Young uh, managed to secure two wickets, conceding 56 runs and Andy McBride and uh, camphor took one wicket each. Uh, the second ODI was played on 1st of August and in the same ground in Southampton. And the result was not a whole lot different as far as Ireland were concerned. In this case, they chose to bat first and they put up a slightly healthier looking 212 for nine. Thanks once again to Camford's 68. Simi Singh made 25 and Andy McBride kept him company with 24 towards the end of the innings. But the top order of Ireland again disappointed with Paul Sterling, Delaney, Andy Balbarnie. All of these guys not really making a telling contribution. Only Tector made a 28 from number 4. But um, again, English bowlers seemed a bit heavy. The way the Ireland players were looking to play them out, it looked like there was a difference in the way these two teams had prepared. So, Willie finished with two wickets. And uh, in this case, Adil Rashid took three. And Sajid Mahmood took two as well. Reece Topley, playing in the 11 and James Wins, the surprise bowler, took one wicket each. Coming out to chase, uh, Johnny Berstow was batting like he had a point to prove. Um, he made a 41-ball 82 and sort of sealed the match uh, with beyond any doubt. He indicated after the match that this was his way of going about showing the selectors, the English selectors, that he still had a lot of hunger and wanted to get back to the you know, the white uh, clothing cricket, test cricket. Uh, he was supported well by James Wynn, 16, Tom Banton made 15, and Sam Billings remained not out on 46. And David Willey, uh, in the end, made uh, 47 at better than run a ball. England really never looked in trouble, even though they lost six wickets. Um, the run rate always remained above six and a half runs and over. And again, they won this game with more than 17 overs to spare. When it came to um, Irish bowling, Craig Young took one, uh, Little took three and camphor took two wickets again, though they were all very costly. Now, if you want to take a quick look at some of the news from outside the cricketing field. So the biggest news we would like to probably immediately discuss is that the IPL is now confirmed to be hosted in UAE and uh, just some final Indian government clearances awaited, but the dates are already sort of put on paper. In the ICC governing body meeting, some expected points have come out about the IPL. So, the IPL will take place uh, between September 19th with the final taking place on November 10th. And um, the Governing Council also set up some rules like there will be a 24-player limit per squad. And there will be an unlimited number of COVID-19 substitutes possible in this window. The IPL will have a 53-day window with there will be 10 double-headers. Again, this looks like one of the longest IPLs ever scheduled given that with an 8-man tournament. And uh, at least the first 50% of IPL will be placed behind uh, closed doors. They'll be played behind closed doors. Um, maybe the second half might have 30 to 50% of the ground being filled up. We'll have to see how this goes. One of the other important things which has come out of this meeting is that IPL has decided to retain its major sponsor, Vivo, as the title sponsor. So there were some other, let's say, news being circulated about what might be the fate of the title sponsor, given the tensions between India and China but let's say census prevailed and uh, the same company has been retained. So this comes as a real uh, you know boost for uh, Indian cricket fans who have been waiting ever since IPL got indefinitely postponed in April this year we can remember this but uh, this looks like a very positive development. Also related to the same topic we know that you know certain owners want very stringent conditions and very stringent tests to ensure that you know the bio bubble or the biosphere in which players will stay uh, will remain, uh, you know, uh, disease-free. So, Neswadia, one of the corners of Kings eleven Punjab, uh, wanted daily COVID testing for players and support staff. As far as we are concerned, the owners and the franchisee managers, or let's say the management teams, have not yet been invited, and uh, this will shortly happen from BCCI. So, I think there will be some more updates we can expect to, let's say, the decisions that have been taken. Some, some more let's say, news that will come out of this and we'll keep you posted about it. Also, another important thing, the Women's T20 Challenge, which has been kicked off um, in the last two seasons of IPL, will again be played this year with three teams taking part and four games to be held. And this will be held between November 1st and November 10th alongside the IPL, let's say the final round of matches and the finals. So this has actually kicked off a little bit of a controversy with certain international women's players like Susie Bates, and uh, Alyssa Healy not really happy that there is a clash of dates between WBBL and Women's T20 Challenge. WBBL may recall, has actually already been planned. And uh, it's also supposed to take place between October 17th and November 29th. You know, this will mean maybe there will be three or four days where there will be probably both a WBBL game as well as a, you know, the Women's T20 Challenge game. Yeah, there's there may be a bit of, you know, disappointment from some of the players that they will not probably get to participate in both of these tournaments together. But, um, you know, it it seems like an interesting thing. As far as uh, clashing of women's cricket is concerned, it's a good thing. Going forward, uh, it's very common that we usually see that men's games clash with each other. Uh, There may be test cricket going on in one part of the world where at the same time, maybe an ODA or a T20 is going on in another one. For example, 26th of December, the Boxing Day, usually in multiple Southern Hemisphere countries, we have test matches starting. So this is all a known thing. But this, I see it rather than as a conflicting news. We would like to say that this is a positive news that women's cricket is getting scheduled and uh, you know Ganguly indicated that there will also be a women's camp held simultaneously so that the Indian women's team can also prepare for any upcoming tours. So I would like to see this as a positive rather than as a negative. Going ahead, India is not the only cricketing board that's planning you know T20 tournaments. So we have the Lanka Premier League. Uh, It is set to be kicked off on 28th of August. This cricket league is tournament which uh, Sri Lanka had already planned in 2012 and um, has not been able to host it. So, this time they are planning to have a five-team, um, very, let's say, attractive tournament where they expect to attract uh, 17 national cricketers and maybe even 10-12 to top-level coaches. So, it will feature 23 games, we are told, and it is going to be held in Ketrama, Suryaveva, Palakela and Dambula. So these are the, let's say, the 4 day D-night international stadiums that have already been chosen and the rest of the logistics are being worked out. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Lanka Premier League unfolds, considering that, you know, many countries or players from many countries are not actually playing currently. Maybe there'll be a good turnout. But one of the tournaments that it may clash with is the CPL. So the Caribbean Premier League 2020 is slated to begin on 18th August and the final is set for 10th September let's say the entire uh, match schedule has been posted and uh, yeah it looks like the entire tournament will be hosted in trinidad and tobago um, the islands of trinidad and tobago and the matches are going to be split between brian lara cricket academy queens park oval and mostly the final also being held in the brian lara cricket academy so it's going to be an interesting uh, let's say time for us cricket fans because by the end of this month we can expect probably two you know, Premier Leagues to kick off. On top of this, there's always the English summer coming to an end with the English first-class season having just begun on August 1st and the Pakistan-England internationals, the tests also going on simultaneously. So all in all, a lot to look forward to if you're a cricket fan. At the same time, when it comes to women's touring, there is a little bit of a blow that Indian women's tour of uh, England, which was scheduled in September, has been called off. uh, Unfortunately, due to the uh, COVID-19 conditions. Similarly, another women's cricket team, the South African women's cricket team has suffered a little bit when three members of its players and support staff have tested positive and the names of the infected people have not actually been released. But uh, we will probably get to know more, a little bit more in the upcoming days about this. Another tournament that has unfortunately faced a little bit of a reversal is the Euro T20 slam. So this we know was already sort of doubtful in 2020, but now it has definitely been postponed to 2021 because there are no definitive windows available where... You know the cricket boards of Ireland Netherlands and Scotland are able to you know identify and hold this tournament so it has definitely been postponed to 2021. So those of us who live in Netherlands uh, will continue to be disappointed unfortunately because this would have been a good tournament for uh, you know watching some international uh, stars coming to play. Mm-hmm. Moving on in a sort of a bizarre uh, turn of events the Afghan cricket board has sacked its chief executor Lutfullah Stanikzai for mismanagement, unsatisfactory performance and misbehavior managers. So there is a detailed letter that it has written to its former chief executive and this has been, let's say, published on certain um, sites, cricketing sites. So uh, we'll probably keep you posted on how this this story evolves. Moving on, uh, in another fairly bizarre turn of events, it's just come to light that a company that's based out of Isle of Man, a company called as Broadsheet LLC, which previously had a contract with the Pakistan government and the National Accountability Bureau of Pakistan. Apparently, there have been some arrears owed to them, Street LLC, and they have threatened to seize the assets of the Pakistani cricket team that's currently touring the UK. However, not a lot of action has happened on this because PCB is an independent body and it's not as such associated with the government of Pakistan and its assets cannot be seized in this way. But nonetheless, it's sort of a bit of a spicy news on the sidelines, whereas the Cricket team of Pakistan is uh, probably you know preparing very hard for the upcoming series against England. In another interesting news, the Supreme Court of India have deferred the Saurav Ganguly Jaisa extension matter to mid-August. So in a couple of weeks, we will get to know more. Uh, August seventeenth is the date set by the Supreme Court. Whether these two office bearers whose uh, uh, terms were supposed to end because of uh, you know the previously set deadline that uh, they cannot uh, continue for more than six years in a row and they have to take a three-year cool-off period. Uh, there has been some uh, petitions and counter-petitions filed in the Indian Supreme Court to try to negate this. For now, there is no there is no update on this and the Supreme Court will give us a decision on the 17th of August. In another interesting news, Umar Akmal, the Beth Mar of uh, Pakistan cricket, he had previously been slapped with a three-year ban, but an independent adjudicator has halved this ban to 18 months. Um, the independent adju- adjudicator is uh, Judge Fakir Muhammad Kokar, retired, a former Pakistan Supreme Court judge. And uh, this justice has actually determined that, you know, maybe the ban of three years would have been too harsh. And this has been hard. Um, but nonetheless, this this is still a bit of a blow for Akmal, given that he's now uh, 30, maybe, you know. They say if you're a batsman, you're probably most productive are between... No, 28 to 32, 33 and a major part of it might be lost. Nonetheless, let's say once he comes back, he's able to make up the time in a very effective manner. So we earlier had a quick chat about the men's ODA World Cup Super League. So what is this? So this is basically a road to the 2023 World Cup where there are 13 teams that will be involved and 156 matches every one day international that's going to be played between these 13 teams. The 13 teams include Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Ireland and Netherlands will be a part of this ODA Super League. and There will be a point system which determines which are the top 7 teams that will qualify and which are the teams that then go into a playoff with 6 other associate nations to become the 2 teams that will qualify for the finals. So 7 teams and India who is the host of the upcoming 50-hour World Cup would already qualify. So this has been uh, sort of set in uh, motion. This is again a very good way of making some bilateral ODI tournaments have some relevance. So this is a very good move by ICC again. So, these were all uh, some of the most interesting news that we wanted to discuss in this episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast News Digest. You can always write into to us as well. You can always contact us at armchaircricketpod on Twitter or armchair.cricket at gmail.com or leave us a comment in any of the podcasting apps that you, can, that you use to listen to us. All of these are available in the episode notes. So, hope you do stay tuned in and continue listening to Armchair Cricket Podcast. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. The Armchair Cricket Podcast. you from